Well, Cody, Greg is not here. He is on vacation, which means you and I are just doing going solo this week with episode, I believe, 18 or 19 of the Rocktown Sports Pod. Yes, it's been a while. How have you been? I'm doing well, doing well. Re- recovering from uh, the long year of high school sports. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. And, and Cody, that's what we'll talk about today. Uh, you and I were both down in Salem for uh, Friday's uh, Class 3 Virginia High School League uh, State Softball Championship game that saw T.A. fall to a familiar foe, Liberty Bedford, 4-1. to one. Cody... That game was uh, was interesting. Uh, I, I thought. Uh, I guess first, your initial thoughts on 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 that game and how TA played. Well, I just thought it wasn't what you expected. Usually, out of a state championship game, you just on both sides, it was a very sloppy game defensively. Um, you know, Liberty shortstop uh, Riley Taylor had just a, a an awful day. Just at it, you know, it, she could she had a couple of terrible bounces that didn't go her way, and then had a couple of errors. Um, she finished with five, um, I think, through the first three innings or so. Um, and then on the other side, TA had some that that ended up biting them. I think they had three or four themselves. It was I think there was a total of ten or eleven errors, which is just insane, to, an insane number, and especially at that level uh, when you have arguably two of the best teams in the state, obviously. Um, I, I thought TA didn't do a very a good enough job, obviously, of, of taking advantage of those errors early. Um, you know, they kept getting runners on base every inning early on um, through the first four or five. I think they put one runner on each time based off an error um, and just could not get any hits off Millie Thompson and couldn't get anything going. And then when they finally were able to get a couple of hits there in the six, you know, again, it was a couple. It was a pop up to the catcher, a fly out to right. And next thing you know, the, you know, the inning's over, and they don't even get a run out of that. And I thought that really was just kind of, you know, symbolic of how the entire game went for TA. Every time they had a chance, they didn't, get, you know, they didn't take enough, take advantage of those opportunities and make anything happen, and ultimately it backfired for them. I thought Millie, I mean, she looked very hittable in that game. Uh, I thought as well as she pitched, uh, it's not like the Knights didn't have their opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. Granted, she kind of shut them down in the middle innings. I believe after the uh, that, that poor shortstop for Liberty, who had four, <laughs> like you said, I think she had four errors in the first two innings. After she finally settled down a little bit, uh, you know, Millie was kind of unhittable for about the third, fourth, and third and fourth innings. But then T.A. started making some noise. I believe it was uh, Carly Davis with a... Uh, a shot of an in, uh, a shot of a single that went straight up the middle. Sizik, mm-hmm. uh, Michaela Sizik followed with a, I believe a, another hit yeah. that put runners on on first and second. And then it just seemed like Millie was able to to slam the door at the right time. Though granted, in that situation I'm talking about, Clint Curry was kind of forced to use one of his big hitters to bunt them over uh, because they needed the runs. The problem was he just you know. They had a pro- they had problems buttoning that game. Yeah, and, and it, it was one of those things. It's a lose lose situation for Curry because you know you you obviously would like to let Howard swing there because she's been a big hitter as we've talked about plenty of times on here. She's been a big hitter for him all year, and um, you know she's kind of been that third option there at the plate for them, and she's shown that ability to put one over the fence plenty of times. Um, but she hasn't particularly played well against Thompson, especially she didn't have a hit in the regional championship game. She didn't have a hit that game. And, you know, in that situation with no outs on the board, you have a runner at first and second. In a game where you hadn't had a hit up until that point, you've got to try and just move the runners into scoring position, get what you can get. And, unfortunately, you know, it goes straight up to the catcher. And, like I said, the very next at bat, um, I can't think of who it was now, but she pops up to the to the outfield, and then next thing you know, they're out of the inning. And I thought that really was the dagger for T.A. because then, you know, then they had their seven, eight, nine hitters coming up in the seventh, and you just kind of felt if they were going to make it happen, they were going to do it with Davis and Sizzik there in the sixth. 
that play, uh, let's talk about the play. Uh, you know, we're, we're not on the field. We're not umpires. We're, we're seeing things a little further away. But there was an interesting play uh, where it, it, you know, it appeared to me, at least, that uh, Gracie Moyers uh, was on second base on a force out, was initially called out uh, by one of the infield umpires. And then very heads-up play by, by Gracie, by the way, is when the girl walked off the bag, the Liberty Bedford girl walked off the bag as uh, their coach uh, was coming out to tell her to get back on the bag. Gracie tagged her again mm-hmm. before she could get back, yet the umpires converged, and then they eventually called her safe. And I think that kind of opened up the floodgates, it looked like. Yeah, that was a huge, huge momentum shifter for them. The game was tied 1-1, I think, at that point. It was. Um, and the leadoff batter had got on, and, and as you said, um, it, was, it looked like a four-style situation would at least put one out on the board, put you know, put Michaela in a much better situation there in the circle. Instead, they, they flipped that, and uh, you know, it's, it's a questionable call there. I agree with you. I thought she looked like she was on the bag. Um, and, and then they even had the tag though when she came off the yeah, bag to right, walk back right. to the And I think that's great, what really upset great. Clint Curry was when he went when the, he went out there after they talked to Mike Thompson, the Liberty coach. He came out there to get the explanation, and I think that's what he was kind of showing them. You know, look, she tagged even afterwards, and that's what really didn't make any sense. And then from there, after that happened, um, I believe they got a hit or two, and, and then, you know they, they were able to get two runs. Uh, I think I think the next batter got a hit. They come home, and then Carly goes to third to third, and the ball sails into. Yep. the outfield yep. and the next runner comes home so just yeah just an unfortunate play where for ta where i really thought that was a big momentum shifter um if, if that stays in out i think they have a chance to get out that inning and keep that thing locked at one one um once that happened and once you know the, the third of the outfield and everything else you just kind of felt like ta really in a game where they hadn't had a hit up until that point that you didn't feel like they had a chance after that the future for this turner ashby team i mean they they lose uh, three big seniors. They lose a lot of leadership. And we, you and I, we talk about this all the time, just how important leadership is on the high school, well, on any level, but you and I usually talk in high school. So we talk about the leadership on the high school level. You know, Carly Davis, a catcher who was just, you know, a, 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 an emotional leader, but a very calming emotional leader. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Michaela Sizik, who was magical in the semifinal. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then uh, uh, Ashton Richmond, uh, second base, uh, second baseman form. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? What do they have coming up? You did a, one of your sidebars uh, was on uh, the younger, the younger players, the freshmen and the sophomores, uh, who have a lot to, you know, who learned a lot under those threes, tutelage and, and Clint Curry's. You know, but but the, what does the future hold for this Knights program? Can feasibly can they build on this state championship game run? I mean, I, I would think they have to really because if you, I mean. You know, obviously, it's never going to be easy to replace two Division One players and Carly and Michaela and everything that they brought. I mean, they were the two best players in the area by far this year. They were the, you know, there there wasn't any other player in the area that could, that was close to their level in terms of what they brought to the field, both defensively and at the plate. Um, you could argue they were two of the best hitters. You could argue they were the, you know, she was the Michaela was the best pitcher. Carly's the best catcher, um, and they they arguably the best battery pair in the in the entire state at their level. So. You know, it's going to be hard to replace them. Uh, I think the biggest replacement, you know, the biggest key will be replacing Michaela just because what she does in that circle, starting every single game, and, and like you said, what we, what she did, especially this postseason. I mean, Clint Curry even said at times it felt like she just kind of took the team on her back and carried them. Um, and then, and like you said, with Carly and the leadership and, and that presence behind the play and just how smart she is. And, and you know, it was interesting. There was actually one play uh, or what, at one time during the game on um, Friday where – 
there was a break in action for some reason, and she she went out to talk to Michaela. And instead of just talking to the whole infield like most catchers do, she actually went out to the outfield at one point and was talking to the outfielders, I which I thought was funny and kind of she does that kind of stuff all throughout the year. So those two will definitely be hard to replace. But this is now two years in a row where they've been in the state tournament. Some of those sophomores on this year's team were freshmen during during that run last year, and they might not have played as much, but they were on that team. So you've got some some players who have been two years in a row, some who have been just one. Those juniors have at least probably most of them have been now two years in a row. Um, that, that's, you know, seven out of nine spots on the field, you know, eight out of ten. You're looking at a lot of experience coming back, and I think, you know, when you look at a district next year, you know, I think they might be a little closer to everybody else. I don't think they'll be quite as dominant, but they've got to be still a favorite considering how much they bring back and, and the experience playing on that big stage. Michaela Sizik pitched, I think, every, every inning, did she not? I think there was – Two, two or three innings early, early in the year where Mackenzie Sizzik pitched. So is that the is is Mackenzie the heir apparent to Big Sis? From what I've understood, Mackenzie is is quite the pitcher herself. Um, I think she, you know she's still got to put on the muscle and, and, and some of that stuff that Michaela obviously had late in her career, but she's obviously only a freshman. She's got plenty of time to do that. But uh, from what I've understood from talking to people around the team, Mackenzie's you know quite the pitcher herself. Um, you know I don't know if she's quite on Michaela's level yet, but that they, I, th- I believe she'll definitely you know, be the starter going into next season. Let's talk about Michaela's level. We'll have to go back a day to, to Thursday's <laughs> state semifinal. You were down in uh, Pulaski at Kelphy watching uh, Page County Baseball lose uh, their state semifinal uh, to Lebanon. Uh, I was there in Salem. Goodness gracious. I mean, you know, <laughs> 11 straight to start the game. Uh, not one ball left the infield. Uh, the only hit was a, a a bunt that was just thrown down perfectly in front of the plate that the you know that the, the the girl from Skyline beat out. That was just I think I, I in my opinion that was just like a microcosm of of Michaela Sizzik. I mean it was just it was I mean it, it wasn't a perfect game but it was perfection. Yeah, I mean and it seemed like later later in the year she got better and better. And I remember writing a story earlier in the season during the regular season where I talked about how she got better often throughout games where she would start off and you know give up a hit or two um kind of just get, get ground outs and then as the game went along she often overpowered people and it seemed like that also happened throughout the year where you know she, her strikeout total was just going up and up and up throughout the year and by the time they were going into the regional playoffs and into the state tournament you know her she was just playing her best softball and um, I, I, she was just very overpowering. You know, we've talked about a lot of other pitchers, Sabrina Fultz from Page and some of those other girls, it, but there, was, there wasn't any pitcher this year that was able to overpower you and, and just get strikeout after strikeout like she did. And that game was just symbolic of what kind of she's done all season for them. What, I mean, how do you, I mean, I know, we, I mean, that's just got to be tough. As, even if Mackenzie Sizzik can eventually get to that level it does lead a, leave a little bit of a black hole maybe next year in terms of pitching because you're also repl- got to replace the catcher as well you got to replace Carly so you're losing that double dose of leadership right down the middle of the diamond yeah and you're that, those are arguably the two most important positions on the field I just that's a huge hole for them and, and like I said I think it just levels the playing field a lot more around the Valley District in terms of you know, those two, I think, just put them, when you look at the standings, they, they only lost one game throughout the regular season. Everybody else was four or five losses. Everybody else was pretty much right there together. I thought the difference was Michaela and Carly. Now I think you're going to see that team kind of step back, and you're going to see maybe a district where it's wide open, um, uh, you know, maybe similar to what baseball was this year, where you could see anybody come out just because of those two, I thought, really, where the, you had the district's two best players 
and they were the difference in everybody and them being so much better than everybody else. Well, let's switch gears to the Page County. Let's talk about the the baseball team. Uh, you know, we knew coming into that state semifinal that you know Lebanon had had the pitcher and Matt Buchanan, uh, who's going to the UVA or is committed to UVA. He's not quite going just yet. Uh, we knew that T.R. Williams for Page was is going to is committed to Virginia Tech, but we also knew that. Lebanon could swing it, mm-hmm. and it kind of looks like they, they showed that they can swing it in that game. Yeah, that was, um you know, probably TR's roughest performance of the year, and he said so afterwards. You know, I, I asked him afterwards about facing that Lebanon lineup, and he kind of said, you know, they were really good, and, and they were definitely challenging, but he didn't feel like he left his best out there. He only lasted four and two-thirds, which I think is the shortest I've ever seen him go um, in a game. Uh, he just he – didn't, he didn't have it from the start, um, you know, Page got an early run and got up one nothing, and then it seemed like about the second or third inning, you know, Lebanon. Every time they come up, even when they were getting outs, or even when Tr was getting outs, um, they were a lot of flyouts. They're they just he just didn't seem to. They were hitting the ball hard all day off of him, and he never got in a rhythm. Um, there was some some different players behind him at some positions, um, and and there was a couple of plays where that was noticeable. Um, you know, not necessarily errors, but just where they weren't as clean and crisp defensively as they usually are. And it just kind of snowballed. And there was a fifth or sixth inning where they had a five or six run inning. And when that happened, you could just feel the air go out of the stadium. And everybody kind of knew what was happening. And, um, you know, T.R. was pulled. Uh, Taron Baker came in. And then he struggled a little bit as well. And it just it just wasn't a good day for Paige. And, you know, Wayne Comer just kind of said after the game, he even though they were dealing with a lot of different stuff, he thought the better team won that day. What what's the future hold for Page County? We know TR's only sophomore, so you know, barring you know anything we're not expecting, he's back uh, next year for for the Panthers. They do lose some, mm-hmm. uh, so I mean, what what do, what do you think the future holds for that that Page County? Squad? I think they're going to be very good again next year. I really do. Um, you know, talking to some people around their their team. Um, TR's little brother is coming up from the JV, and uh, <laughs> there's always another one. Yeah, and apparently they said that he's you know he's a, a quite the prospect as well could be just as good as tr if not better so now not only will they have you know tr for two more years but then they'll have his little brother coming up um you know those two together could could perform quite the duo for them um they bring back a lot of big hairs tristan gordon the uh, the all-state catcher first team um he's back next year as a senior um you know a lot of guys that that played big roles this year they'll be back next year and i think you know trevor williams um uh I'm losing my train of thought right now. But, yeah, they've got a lot of pieces coming back. They lose four seniors off that team, two that played significant time. Um, you know, a third kind of played here and there, and a fourth didn't play very much. So I think they'll be very good. They'll be back in the hunt. And, you know, as we've seen the past couple of years, if you get out of the Shenandoah district, I think you've got a chance to go very, very far. Uh, softball-wise, you saw that team a few times. Uh, they, they lose Sabrina Foltz in the circle, another big uh, pitching loss in, in the area. Uh, but they bring back uh, Maddie Gordon, who who we know can swing it. Uh, they bring back a few other players. What what's that? And, and you know, and it's not like they lost to Chump either. I mean, they mm-hmm. lost to the eventual you know Class Two state champion Richlands, who got a who uh, won one nothing, I believe in the. Uh, yeah, and I think Richlands was just on one of those runs where it's you know Mac Osborne was playing out of her mind, and then you know they beat Madison, they beat Page, the two teams they've lost to they. It's one of those things you just kind of – it was something magical was kind of happening there, and I don't know if Paige was going to beat them anyway. You know, I don't know if there was much they could have done differently um, to beat them. It was just a special run. But um, to, to answer your question, I think Paige has uh, 
plenty of coming back. Plenty coming back. I mean, you know, they're gonna they're gonna really be hurt without Sabrina and without Brooklyn Fridley. But um, Maddie Gordon is a big hitter, and I, I really expect her to kind of take that next step next year. I know we talked before the postseason. We thought really this could have been her time to kind of step up and make a name for herself. Um, it didn't go quite as planned, but you know, she's a huge bat. Um, she was first team All State for a reason. She's only a sophomore, so her coming back and then. Taylor Umberger and some of those freshmen, freshmen that they had on the team this year, all return. Um, they had a lot of freshmen in that lineup throughout the year, and, and they had a lot of seniors that ever they got a lot of attention for them. But there were a lot of freshmen who played, you know, a lot, a lot of games for them. And so having all those players back next year, I think, will definitely put them in a good position. All right, we're going unscripted now, Cody. And even though we've gone un- un- unscripted all all this whole podcast. Give me your what, what? What was your most memorable? Uh, now that this, the, the the high school season's over with, what was your most memorable moment uh, this high school season? Uh, short of uh, short of uh, me hiring you and, and you finally <laughs> getting to work for me, what was your favorite moment? Uh, well, I think uh, you know, anytime you can cover a state championship, I think is always pretty special. And I think just those couple of days in Richmond, um, you know, we had two teams down there, and one one came out with a win and one didn't, but just both nights were just kind of. They, they were they were really cool nights to see because I thought you saw a Spotswood program that got itself back to where it's expected to be every year and where they where they kind of strive to be in terms of one of the best teams in the state. Um, they won their fifth state title and that was pretty cool to watch and especially with a team that only had really two seniors that played a lot. There you know that's a team that's going to have a lot coming back and then on the other side of that you had a, an East Rock program that has just been building and building and building and kind of getting to that point and you know as we talked about a lot it, it kind of just you know, maybe started something special. Even though they lost in that, that championship game, it kind of maybe was the, the the backbone for what could be, you know, a really special program moving forward. And, and I know Kerry Keyes is hopeful to build something similar to kind of what Chad Edwards has in Spotswood in terms of making the state tournament every year and, and kind of doing that every season. So, you know, I thought those, those couple of days in Richmond back in the winter, I thought that was a really cool moment. But, you know, all year we've, we've covered a lot of really cool teams and a lot of really good teams. I mean, every season we've had – you know, teams winning state championships, getting to the state level. We struck football, TA softball. We had the TA wrestlers. You know, a lot of track success. So it's been been a really fun year and a lot of really good teams. Yeah, I, I got to go with because uh, I'll just assume you're going to ask me what my favorite moment. Yeah, was, yeah. Right? So go ahead. Let's give you the opportunity. Yeah, let, let's hear what your. I, I have a feeling. I think I might know what it is. But let's hear what your favorite moment. Was. What do you think it is? I, I'm going to point to uh, Jesse Knight and uh, Trey Huger <laughs> yes, winning yeah. down in Salem. <laughs> what, I mean, what a fantastic moment that was, and I, I think you know, as 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 stoked as as, as Trey Hoover was uh, as a senior to to finally get it. And, and, and as as happy as his teammates were, and I'm not taking anything away from that moment when I tell you that the Jesse Knight moment was just kind of like a wow kind of moment was just how the amount of other wrestlers from around the state mm-hmm. that came running out of the stands to to, right. to hug this gargantuan human being. I mean, Jesse Knight stacks hay bales eight high. I mean, that's how big he is. And I'm just assuming he's a farmer because he's a big guy and a lot of big guys around these parts are farmers. Uh, and he, and, and I mean, just uh, guys from Skyline, guys from Fauquier. I mean, mm. you name it. He was All these people were just hugging him, patting him on the back, and he was just smiling ear to ear. I mean, same, Trey was the same way. I mean, Trey was just about ready to break down in tears, but watching Jesse Knight and just mm. the love from all these... Uh, 
all these uh, other all these wrestlers was just fantastic. And plus, that's a great atmosphere. I'm glad they finally got one, two, and three all back together down right. in Salem. I guess a close second for me would be more of an individual thing. It was watching the emergence of George Austin the uh, third, the freshman cross country runner for East Rock who slowly you saw his times go down all year and then he finishes top 10 in the states the state state meet up in great meadow and he's only a freshman it's his first year running distance Mm -hmm. and and, and to me uh you know watching the the, you know him growing all as the year went on and and just watching him you know i don't want to say he didn't look like he didn't believe it but when he crossed in the top 10 at the at the (laughs) class two meet he was just like Wow, I mean, really? I'm, I'm, I'm number. I think he was sixth. You know, he's like, I'm right. number six. There's, there's only five people in front of me. Right. And it was just like almost like this realization for him that hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Right. And this right. might be something I might want to do for the next three years. And I thought that was, that was pretty cool for me. Is was just watching that, and you know, because those individual sports, I think sometimes get the. Uh, uh, I don't want to say bad, not bad rap. They get kind of like that, you know, they're kind of pushed aside sometimes mm-hmm. for the team sports uh, and, and just watching the individual where the, you know, the, the, the cliche mind over matter right. of one person right. and, and it yeah. kind of build up, I thought was, was pretty awesome. Well, yeah. And, 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 you know, speaking of individual sports, you kind of reminded me of something that happened here late in the spring that was, that, you know, kind of went, you know, a little under the radar, but was, was pretty cool. And, and something I talked with them a little bit about late in the year was the, the TA girls tennis team it was a team that last year went to the state tournament and all year they they didn't really do as well as they hoped to and Fort Defiance kind of dominated that that district and then you know late in the year they suddenly caught fire and they, they win the district tournament championship with like a five-hour match over four and then they just carried it into regionals and and finished ultimately one win shy of state and then also their fellow valley district team spotswood you know <laughs> just was was the fourth place team all year and all of a sudden you know with a bunch of sophomores and a bunch of freshmen caught fire late in the year as well and ends up making a run to the state semifinals yeah. so, and they lose to they lose a, tra- a, a traditional power at abingdon right I mean, yeah. right so just you know there, there was just so many throughout the entire year i mean i could i could sit here and go on and on because there were so many great storylines um throughout the year um from fall all the way to spring um and you can't we can't forget jessica cantrell finally getting state gold right, i mean we, we right. can't forget that and both either. indoor and outdoor and yeah. to, to do it twice i mean that that was just a great story um and we get to watch her run some more because she's going to you know she, she inked with jmu so i mean she's right. staying local and, and yeah i mean she i think you know when they write the book on 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 boys track at broadway you gotta write you know the first words gotta be isaac eldifer right you know who's now at emu and and what he helped do for that program i mean the title of your book on the recent history of broadway girls track Mm -hmm. is gotta be titled the jessica cantrell story absolutely absolutely yeah i mean what what she's done and, and watching you know her little rivalry with hannah miller and watching what she did at harrisonburg even um like i said there's there's just so many different storylines across the entire area um, that East Rock football team was extremely special to cover. Um, you know, we, we talked so many times about just the, the pure joy that Jaywan Evans played with on the field and, and how much fun that was covering him. And just that whole team with the bond they had with the 21 seniors, um, that, was, that was another member of run as, as well as Spotswood Boys Basketball. Like I said, I could sit here and go on and on. I mean, it was just a, a really, really fun year. And I thought, I think we have a lot to look forward to next year, um, you know, because there's a lot of really good athletes returning on a lot of these teams. And what I liked about that, that East Rock football team, 
team is you could set a hotkey, and I believe I had it set on F5 on my laptop. I would hit F5, and it'd say, take it week by week, says Donnie Coleman. Yeah. <laughs> well, one game at a time. One game at a time, yeah. Donnie Coleman said after right. the win, and you just had to fill in the X's about who they, who, who they want. Uh, well, I, I don't. I mean, what else you got to add, Cody? I mean, it's just you and I, so we, we may keep this under 30 minutes, but is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of high school sports? Where do you, where do you see, I mean, do you not want to look ahead to football just yet? No, we can look ahead to football if you want. I mean, uh, what does Spotswood got to do? Spotswood, I think, when you talk about the uh, the Valley District Championship, I mean, you could call it. I mean, you know, yeah, the, the first round upset uh, in the playoffs kind of put a put a little salt on the slug, if you will, right? Uh, for that <clears throat> squad. But at the same point, I mean, you got to call it a breakout year if you beat Harrisonburg at Harrisonburg. And then you, you you win a Valley District Championship. Yeah, I mean they they lose the opener to East Rock, and then they just roll through the regular season. Um, you know, win that district title, which was huge. Um, and I I just think that that loss in the playoffs maybe opened their eyes a little bit to what they needed to do, what they m- might need this year to take the next step. But that team has a whole lot coming back. I mean, they lose Brennan Brown at the running back spot and Connell Ishinger at the wide receiver spot. But at both those positions, they they had plenty of guys behind them who also stepped up, which I th- that I think will be ready to take the next step next year. I mean, Rob Smith at that wide receiver spot is as good of an a- athlete around the entire area. I mean, he might be the best athlete in the area next year. Um, and then you got Ethan Barnhart and um, some of those guys in the backfield bes- alongside Brennan Brown. I just think they're really set up um, to have a good year. I think Ryan High is, is a guy that we're going to be talking about a lot next year. I think he's going to be really, really special at that quarterback spot. Even looks the part. Yeah, I mean, he's he's keeps on growing. I feel like every time I see him up at Spotswood, he's gotten a little bit bigger. Um, you know, his brother's a Division three quarterback. Um, he's already got a little bit more size than his brother in terms of his arms and, and stuff like that. I think if he keeps growing and gets a little height on him, um, you know, he has, isn't quite as tall as Alex yet, but if he gets if he gets that height and continues to grow and continues to kind of build that muscular body that he's got, I mean, he can be really, really special. Some of those balls he was throwing last year were just silly to be doing that as a sophomore. And and, and once again, it goes back to the progression. I think that player, that the, the, the high quarterback you saw in that week one loss to East Rock mm-hmm. was not the high quarterback you saw, even in the pounding rain at Harrisonburg where he – he did his job and he protected the ball in a game where the ball had to be protected. Oh yeah, and he I mean there were plenty of times this year where he single-handedly, you know, kept them in games and especially in that uh, loss to um Liberty in the in the playoffs, they were down throughout most of that game, but every time they were down and you thought, well, the game's about to be over, Liberty's about to run away with this, Ryan would just throw a, a bomb to Rob Smith or Connell Wishinger or someone else and it just see there were just several plays in that game where it was like, how in the world did he make that throw? And, you know, I know he's been spending a lot of time this offseason, you know, working 7-on-7 seven seven and stuff. I'm really, really excited to see what he can do next year. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the area's best players. And then you pair him with Rob Smith, like we already talked about. That's a guy who never played football before last year and then came out was, you know, a, a second-team all-region selection. So put those two together next year, I think that's going to be a really special pair. Who's your football sleeper? Football, I think, you know – Everybody's talked talked a lot about East Rock and everything they're losing. I think they've got enough talent there returning. You know, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to make a run like last year. It's gonna that's going to be obviously extremely hard to do with how much they're replacing. But I think that team has a chance to be a little better than what we maybe a lot of people are expecting. Just because I think Tyce McNair at that quarterback spot, we've seen how much of an athlete he is on the basketball court. Him in that quarterback spot, I'm interested to see what he can bring there. Um, you know, it's it, a lot of people have. You know, we've talked a lot about Dylan Williams past two years for good reason. 
But what a lot of people didn't realize is, you know, Donnie Coleman had left that competition open technically in camp every year. And, and you know, Tice had went, it went into the past two seasons under the impression that he could have won that job. And so now that he's finally got a chance to really kind of take it as his own and run with it, I'm interested to see how that goes. Not to mention they've got guys like Trenton Morris and some of those guys coming back as well who were who were impressive on both sides of the ball. So I'm interested to see what that team does. And then, you know, I think it'll be fun to see what, what um, Broadway can do in their first year under Danny Grog and see what kind of changes they bring. Um, they've got some tough, you know, holes to fill as well. They had some good seniors on that team last year that are going to be tough to replace. But they've also got some talent as well in guys like Caleb Williams, Nate Tunnell, some of those basketball guys who we know are athletes um, coming back. So I'm interested to see some, you know, how that how that first year under him goes and what kind of changes we see. Yeah, so it should be fun. Cody, you did a heck of a job your first full year uh, here at the Daily News Record as a high school beat writer. And as uh, I think the readers appreciate it, as a sports editor, I know I appreciate it. And uh, it was a heck of a season. And uh, you enjoy the rest of your summer. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk before then. I mean, we're going to do this every week. But you see, no, I'm, I'm telling the – I don't know who I'm telling to enjoy the rest of your summer, man. It's been a long, it's been a long day. Uh, for sure. For but sure. thanks for joining us this episode of the Rocktown Sports Pod. We'll talk to you guys next week.